Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means, you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Wisdom has some practical benefits. When we live in wisdom, when we cherish it, when we seek it, and when we apply it to our life, we're going to find that God will move mightily. There will be many benefits of being a recipient of the wisdom of God. And in the chapter that we're going to study in this lesson, we are going to see not only benefits for wisdom, but we're going to see how we can live in a way in order that wisdom is provided to us and all the other things that wisdom will, will provide in our life, to our life, and for our life. Our God is a God who is forever wise, and God wants his people to demonstrate his wisdom. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Proverbs and chapter 2. Now, my hope tonight is that we will get through this entire second chapter. The verses are brief, but they are quite meaningful. And also, we see great practicality in what Solomon is teaching us in this book of Proverbs, especially in this second chapter. Now, oftentimes we see that Solomon, he addresses this, this book to my son. And it's simply speaking about how a wise father is going to invest in his children. And that we need to prepare that next generation for the kingdom of God that they are ready and that they would be found faithful and they know the principles of Scripture, that they would, would impart these to others as well. So we want to build up, edify that next generation so that they can do that same thing among those who are part of their generation and in the generation to follow them, their children as well. Look with me to verse 1. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son. This is a term of endearment, a term that reveals love. He says, my son, if you will take. Now, most Bibles will say, if you will receive. But it's not the normal word for receiving. It's a word for taking. And what's the implication here? There are principles, biblical principles, that God gives to us. And if we will take hold of these, then we will be a recipient of wisdom and the benefits that come from applying wisdom to our life. So he says here, verse 1, My son, if you will take my words and my commandments, you will... And this is a word, and 
basically, it's a word of concealing something. And in this case, it means to implant them, treasure them first, but implant them where? Notice what he says. If you implant them within you. Now, what it's saying is this, that, that this wisdom, these words, and in this case, the commandments. He says, my commandments, referring to the commandments of God. If, if they will be implanted within you, that you will treasure them, that you will hide them within you. If you will do that, we're going to see in a few verses what the effects of that will be. But we need to pause and ask ourselves a question, and it's this. Will we take wisdom? Will we utilize the commandments of God, His words, in order that we learn from Him? See, here's the problem. If we ignore the instructions of God, as we have seen in in chapter 1, His precepts, His statutes, if we ignore His words then we can't expect God to move in our life. So let's move to the next verse. He says, Lakshiv. Now again, normally it's my wife and I that go through. I like to look at the Hebrew and have her read to me the English so I can know what you might be encountering. And then oftentimes when there's a verse that seems peculiar, how it's translated, I like to go to, for example, Bible Hub and see how other verses, other translations have have rendered that verse. And what we see here is that the word is the word lachiv, which means to listen. If we read it literally, it says, your ear to listen for wisdom. Now, this implies something. It implies that God wants to give us wisdom. That's his nature. He's a giving God. He is a generous God. But the question is this. I'll make it personal. Is my ear listening to wisdom? Can I discern and recognize the wisdom of God? Now, I know where the wisdom of God is going to be found. It's going to be found in the Scripture. And the question is, am I going to be listening to that? So he says, to listen for wisdom. And then he says, your ear. So the implication is, is your ear listening for wisdom? And then he says, your heart. And this is word for, for being inclined or turning towards. It's literally the word in the root form for stretching out. And what it's saying is, are you going to move towards, and notice what he says at the end, your heart stretching forth to understanding. Now, we see, and we'll see this throughout this chapter, there's a connection between wisdom and understanding. Now, we're also going to be talking about knowledge in a moment, but all of these three things, although they're similar, there are some unique differences to these three different words. And what God is saying is this. There is knowledge that is knowing something, learning something. But wisdom 
is the ability to take that knowledge and apply it properly. I've shared that with you before. And when you do that, it is going to give you a greater understanding of the plans, the purposes of God. You will see things differently. And this is what this second verse is promising. But it begins with us being willing to listen, to turn our ear towards the wisdom of God. And secondly, to incline, to move forward. And this is a heart. I want my heart to move towards. And the heart is the seat of, of thinking. I want to think according to understanding. So wisdom leads to understanding. Verse 3. For if, for, for understanding, you will call. Now, that word for call is the same word in ancient Hebrew to invite. Yes, in modern Hebrew. And it's based upon some some old Hebrew words as well. Biblical old Hebrew words. We have the word lazmin, to invite. But oftentimes, and this is true for biblical Greek as well as biblical Hebrew, to call someone is to invite. And this is the implication here. It says, literally, if we look at it, for if for understanding you will invite that you seek that, that you want that. And for, and it's another word from the same root as understanding, you will give your voice. So it's, it's inviting and speaking, inviting, calling. It's a word of saying, I'm beseeching God for understanding. And understanding this word is uniquely related to the will of God. We can say it differently. It's uniquely related to the purposes of God. So God, he gives knowledge. But God also, with that knowledge, gives us how to utilize it for his purposes. And again... When I utilize properly the knowledge that God provides me for the purposes of God, I accomplish his will. That's wonderful. But there's even a greater benefit. God is going to give me understanding, meaning I will have, and another word for understanding might be the word discernment. That through the proper applying of wisdom, we are going to have discernment in our life. And then look at verse 4. And if you will seek it as silver. Now, this word kesef is also a word that relates to money. So he says, will you seek it, meaning wisdom, as one labors and works for, for wealth. Again, verse 4. If you will seek it as money. And as a treasure. And this word for treasures in the plural treasures. You will, will, will also uh, search out. So it involves here effort. It involves time. It involves someone who is investing himself in Doing those two things. Look again at verse 4. 
wanting to have wealth, no, wanting to have wisdom, and wanting wisdom as people of this world wants wealth, and and treasures. And here again, it has to do with abundance. This word for treasure is related to having an abundance. And we should strive, we should want, we should work for, we should seek an abundance of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So, again, he's making this very, very personal. He's asking these questions. If you will seek it as money and as treasures, you will search for it. If this is the case, now he begins talking about benefits. Look, if you would, to verse 5. Then you will understand something. And this is a, a big term throughout the Bible, but especially in this book of Proverbs. And I'm speaking about Yerat HaShemayim, the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord has to do with the priorities of God. So when you are operating in the fear of the Lord, you will understand and your life will reflect the priorities of God. What, what's the enemy doing? The enemy consistently tries to confuse us in regard to what's important for us. And that means what is the purposes of God. When I begin to think according to this world, when I pursue the things of this world, like pursuing wealth and, and abundance of material things, when, when this is my agenda, when this is what I am laboring for, investing in, what's going to happen? I'm not going to be a benefit. I'm not going to benefit from the fear of the Lord. So notice what he says. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God you will find. Notice we go back to knowledge. Knowing, and here again, this is in regard to different degrees. Knowing the knowledge of God. Finding God's knowledge. Well, of course, there's different degrees that we're able to grasp of the knowledge of God. But as we mature spiritually, we are going to have a growing, and this should be the case for all of us, a growing capacity for understanding the knowledge of God. And not just understanding the knowledge of God, but utilizing the knowledge of God and doing so in a way that manifests wisdom and then teaches us through that action that is rooted in wisdom. We are going to learn more from God. So we see that wisdom has an edifying influence in a person's life. Verse 6. For the Lord, he will give wisdom. And it also says, from his mouth, that is from his words, from his mouth, knowledge and understanding. Now, in this verse, you see these three things. Wisdom knowledge, and understanding. He gives all of them. But each of these, although they're related, there are some unique differences between them. We spoke of that. We'll come back to it later. But move now to verse 7. 
This is the second time we've seen this word for concealing something, hiding something, treasuring something. It's translated a variety of ways. But it simply has to do with that which you see as valuable and that which you want to, to hide, conceal. And when I say hide or conceal, it means to implant within yourself. That you don't show just that, that raw wisdom, but you impart it in your life as a seed. You plant it within yourself so there's fruit from it. This is what he's saying. Verse 7. And you, and you hide, literally it says, and he will hide, this is God, he will hide for the upright ones. And then we have a great word, to Shia. To Shia is a word that can speak of, one, one translation of that word, to Shia, is being someone that has ingenuity. Now, ingenuity allows a person to invent something, come up with a solution. Another way that this word is translated, it's used in modern Hebrew, is resourcefulness. So wisdom, understanding, knowledge, causes us to be a resourceful person. And that means resources are related to achievement. And when we say achievement spiritually, we're talking about carrying out the purposes of God. Look again at this verse. For he will implant, conceal, hide for the upright, this resourcefulness. And it is going to function how? Magen, what's a magen? A shield for the ones who walk. And the word here is tom, meaning innocently. Or blamelessly, someone in this word is also related to one who walks in the world in reliance upon God. He understands, I, I can't manage my life. I need help. And therefore, this one is humble enough. enough. He's intelligent enough, remember that word, toshia, that he is has enough ingenuity to know his shortcomings and his absolute need of of God. So it says that God would become a shield for those who walk in innocence or or independence upon him. And what what will that produce? Look at verse 8. To keep and again this is a word for guarding to keep the pathways of justice and the way of the chassidim, he will, and this is another word for keeping or guarding or treasury. Now, I didn't translate the word chassidim. This is chassidav, meaning his, and this word chesed. Hopefully, you're, you're familiar with that word now. It's the Hebrew word which speaks of grace. It is a unmerited favor. It's oftentimes in different Bibles translated God's loving kindness. But what it is, is God's grace that he provides in order that his will, which is good, his will, which produces benefits, his will can be realized, experienced, and achieved by you. And when we know that, and we look at this verse where it says, 
and the way of the the chassidim, his gracious ones, those who are recipients of his grace, he will keep, meaning he will keep their way. Verse 9. What's the outcome of God guarding us, keeping us? Verse 9. Az, which is the Hebrew word then, then you will understand, notice what we will understand, righteousness, justice, and some Bibles will say equity, but it's a word for that which is upright. That which is a, a characteristic of God's character, an upright character. So we're going to understand this, this wisdom being applied properly is going to produce understanding that is going to cause us to discern righteousness and justice and that which is upright. Now, what is this word upright? Well, it's rooted in the word yeshar, which means straight. And this uprightness will take us straight away into the will of God and into the benefits of God. My my oldest daughter, she lives in Tel Aviv, and whenever I go there, I have to take a specific road that leads into the street that she lives on, which is Misilat Yesharim. And what it means is the way or pathway, and we have the word Yesharim, Usually there's a prefix attached to it, lesharim, meaning the pathways for uprightness. Some will say upright ones, but this word upright in Hebrew, almost without exception, we find it in the plural because it's an abundant righteous rightness. It's an abundant uprightness. And so he says here, look again, then... When you apply what we've learned in the first eight verses, then you will understand righteousness, justice, and uprightness, this abundant uprightness. And it says all the paths, every path that you'll be on then, that now with that understanding of justice and righteousness and that which is upright, all your pathway, every pathway you go on is going to be what? Good. Meaning this. God is going to teach you the right path to take in accordance with his will so that you can do his purposes, that you can accomplish those things that God wants you to accomplish. Verse, verse 10. For wisdom will enter into your heart and knowledge to your soul. And what will this knowledge do? It says, Yin'am, which will be pleasant. So we're going to find that through what God's going to do here in this verse, verse 10, where he says, And wisdom will enter into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Now, this word pleasant, it's, it's rooted in the Hebrew word that some of you might know, naim, pleasantness. And it's a word that we also have the term for for noam, which is a word that speaks of great satisfaction. And what God's telling us here in this verse is that, that when his wisdom enters into your heart, 
it is going to give a knowledge that is pleasurable to your soul. Verse 11. It's the word mezima. Now, this is surprising. I think I mentioned earlier, and I didn't complete my thought, that normally it's my, my wife that goes over the scripture with me. I like to hear how many of the English translations render this. Well, she was unavailable, so my youngest daughter helped me. And I said to her, what do you think? She would translate it, reading the King James. She would, would read a word. I'd say, what do you think that word in Hebrew is? And she would give a word that matches up with that, that translation. I said, would you be surprised to know that literally the word here is this? And it was so uh, informative to me. Because it simply supports the foundation that so many times how an English translator, that edition of the Bible, how it renders the Hebrew in a way that's that not at all in keeping with the literalness of the word itself. Now, the word mezima in, in modern Hebrew is a word for having a scheme or some plot that is usually seen in a negative way. But you have to understand something about the Hebrew language. And that is, there are words which oftentimes we give a negative uh, uh, meaning to. But, but if we examine that word, we find that in and of itself, in a biblical sense, it may have a very different uh, meaning or understanding or definition. Let me give you an example. The word mirmar. That means usually deceit. But in order to deceive someone, you have to be intelligent. So the word mirmar can be deceitfulness or it can be similar to a word I mentioned a little while ago, ingenuity. Being wise enough to deceive someone. Satan. Now, he doesn't have the wisdom of God, but he has intelligence. He's able to deceive. Now, usually, as I said, this word miramar has more frequently in the Bible a negative connotation. But it doesn't always. It can simply speak about having intelligence in and of itself. And in the same way here, this word in verse 11, mesima, is usually negative in the sense of scheming something, having some plot, but it can also be a word that has to do with being wise and a plan of intelligence, a plan that is going to be faithfully and successfully carried out. And therefore he says, Mezima Tishmor, which means if this ingenuity, if this good plan, you will keep it unto you, it says, as understanding is kept. So this is the word discernment. And the idea here, and it's a little bit confusing, so I want to clarify. This word for understanding can also be understood as discernment. And what does discernment do? Discernment oftentimes keeps a person from embarrassing themselves, making a foolish decision, saying something that he ought to not say, or doing something 
Well, what the scripture is saying in this passage, look again. If you hold on to ingenuity, if you have a righteous plan, not an evil scheme, but a scheme, a, a purpose that is rooted in the instructions of God, if you'll keep that, if you'll be faithful, if you'll be committed to that, that program, that plan, if you will keep concerning it, it is going to uh, uh, have a benefit. It is going to guard you, and you will have, as it says here, tibuna, which is understanding or discernment. So keep discernment. It has a benefit. What is that benefit? We learn it immediately. Look at verse 12. Lehatzilcha, which is to rescue you. So understanding, I mentioned that wisdom, understanding, and knowledge all has benefits. And one of the things we find is that this understanding, this wisdom, this knowledge that he's been talking about has a saving or preserving effect. It will rescue you from the wicked way and from the man who is speaking. And this might be the word for perversity. It's how many Bibles translate it. But what is this word in and of itself? Well, I've shared with you the Hebrew word lafoch. We're, we're not too far from, from Purim. And we know that in the book of Esther, we find that things aren't going well for the Jewish people. There's that wicked Haman who is a prototype for the Antichrist. And we find that things are not going well for, for the Jewish people. But things are going very well for Haman and his plan to exterminate the Jewish people. Until God, he he turns things. So when God turns things differently, everything changes. Well, this is that same word, but God changes bad things into good. This is a word that takes what is right and makes it perverse, turns something which is good into something which is perverse. So he says this wisdom, this understanding, this knowledge or discernment here is going to save you from and the implication is traveling on an evil way and from the man who speaks perversity. Verse 13. It's a warning. The ones who leave the pathways of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Now, one of the things that this scripture does is to show us that in most things, there's simply a dichotomy a, a duality. What does that mean? You are either in darkness or in light. You are either walking in the will of God, that which is good or evil. There's no middle ground. I say that frequently because it's so important that we see that. And what he says in verse 13 is, there are the ones who have left the pathways of uprightness. And when you leave that pathway of uprightness, you're going to be traveling upon the ways of darkness. So uprightness leads to illumination. It leads to discernment. It leads to God guiding you in where you should go.
But when we're not interested in that which is upright, and remember that word upright, straight into the will of God, where we're not committed to the will of God, we're going to be in darkness. And in darkness, we don't perceive things. Therefore, we will not make wise decisions. And we can stumble. We can be injured. Darkness is not where you want to be. Verse 14. The ones who are glad to do evil. It says this one. Literally in the plural. They will rejoice in evil. Evil. That which is perverse. So perversity. In evil perversity. Now perversity in and of itself is bad. But it adds. And it shows simply kind of a, a downward moving that you get bad and then worse and even worse. So he says here, look again at our text. He's warning those that when you leave that upright way, when you abandon wisdom and knowledge and understanding, then you are going to be the type of people that are glad in doing evil. And they will rejoice in evil and that which is perverse. Verse 15. Who, their ways, whoever they are, their ways are crooked. And then we have, and their pathways are, we might say, devious. And this is a word which means it's rooted as well in one of the characteristics of Satan, the enemy, demonic influence, that which is devious. And it's simply saying they have been deceived, and by being deceived, their witness, their testimony, how they're living is going to be a source of deception for others. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to deceive you. So that you make decisions, that you do things, and everyone's watching. And that you become a source of ungodly influence in the life of others. What he wants to do, remember that word perversity. He wants to take those who have a good testimony and turn it into a bad testimony. And he's got all these wicked schemes, plans to try to get people to do just that. Verse 16, to save you, and in the same way that wisdom is, in the book of Proverbs, is frequently personified as a woman, a godly woman, a righteous woman. We also find that that which is against wisdom is personified as a unrighteous woman. Or in here we have the term Isha Zarah, a foreign woman. And that foreign woman relates to idolatry. That which is foreign to God, not recognized by him. Look at the scripture. Wisdom has a benefit and that is to save us from the the idolatrous woman. That strange, that foreign woman. And we have another word, Nuhriah. Now, Nuhriah is simply the feminine version for that which is not in a covenantal relationship with God. So, wisdom will save us from from being associated with a woman who has no covenantal 
relationship. Notice what it says. And to save us from a idolatrous woman and from a woman whose words, that is her words, are, and literally, it's the word slippery. Now, remember I said I was going over this with my youngest daughter, who is not so young, she's 27. And and she, what's slippery words? Well, that is the way we say flattery. And flattery always speaks to the carnal nature. We would say in Hebrew, the yetzer hara, that evil inclination. So oftentimes, it doesn't mean everyone who's flattering you have some bad intent sometimes. They just want to encourage you, to praise you, to, to edify you, and to, to keep you motivated to continue in that way. But, but this is not, this is flattery for the purpose of deceiving and leading you astray. So it says, to save you from the idolatrous woman and that woman whose words, her words, are of flattery. Verse 17. The one, and now we're speaking again of that evil, idolatrous woman. The woman who has left, and then we see something, aloof of her youth. Now, of her youth, speaking about what she was trained. Now, again, believe most Bibles will say the companion of her youth she has left. But again, this was a, a interesting uh, exchange that I had with my youngest daughter. Why? Because the word here for companion that's, that's translated is the Hebrew word aloof. Now, in modern Hebrew, the word aloof means a champion. Or one who has a very, very high military rank. It's someone who has achieved. Someone who has a good testimony. Someone who knows how to act, behave, to lead. And therefore, what he's saying here when it talks about the champion or the general of her youth, it's talking about the foundation of, of what one should be instructed in during one's youth. And that is the commandments, the laws, the statutes, the precepts. This is an idiom. When he says the companion, it means the, the general of one's youth. And that is the word of God, the statutes, the precepts, the, the, the ordinances or the laws of God. So it says this one, this woman, this unrighteous woman, this idolatrous woman, she has left the general of her youth. And notice something else. And the covenant of her God she has forgotten. Now, we see what's parallel, aloof, with what? The covenant of God. She's left that covenant. She's left that counsel. She's left the authority that should be in her life. She has, has removed herself from anything that submits to the, the covenant of God. And therefore, this woman is one that we want to avoid. And here again, when we talk about this woman in this passage, we're not talking about literally a woman. We're talking about spiritual uh, uh, seduction. We're talking about temptation. 
those things that are against the ways of God, that speak not to the soul of a person, but that which speaks to the flesh, the carnal nature of an individual. Now, verse 18. Four, and when we're under her influence, she leads down. Now, God, when we follow him, we're on an upward call. Paul teaches that. But when we reject the wisdom of God, the ways of God, the purposes of God, we find ourselves in a, a going down. And it says here, for she leads down to death. And what else? Her house, she leads down to, to death. That's where her house is. This is her abode. She will lead you to death and to the pathway, her pathways, are pathways too. And we have the word Raphaim, which is a word, well, in modern Hebrew, it's a word for ghosts, and it's speaking simply about departed ones. Meaning you are going to, if you follow her, she's going to take you down to death. That's where her house is. This is what she's connected with, death. And you are going to join others who have have experienced death, who have been brought to nothingness, to failure, spiritual failure, and to spiritual death. This is what our, our scripture is saying. Verse 19. All who come to her, all who submit to her, follow her, listen to her, all who come to her will not return. They will not Take hold of. They will not obtain, is probably the better way to translate it. They will not obtain the pathways of life. Now, what we see here is this. Remember this God of a, a dualness, of a dichotomy? What's God speaking about? Well, there's the pathways that lead to life. And there's the pathways that lead to death. And when you are on the wrong pathway, you are forsaking, forsaking the, the things of God, and that you are going to also forsake the promises, the covenantal promises of God. So we read verse 19, everyone who, who goes unto her, they will not return. They will not obtain the pathways of life. Verse 20. On account of this, you shall go in the good ways and the pathways of righteousness you shall keep. Now, the only way to keep the pathways, and that means to keep yourself on the pathways of, of righteousness, is when you are committed to God's will. Why do I say God's will? Well, look again. Let's look at this verse, verse 20, where it says, Talech bederk tovim. Walk, and it's an instruction, a commandment. You will walk, meaning walk, in the way of good things. What good things? The will of God. And in the righteous pathways, you will keep, verse 21, for the upright ones, there's that same word for straight, 
the ones who travel in that straight way into God's will. For the upright ones, they will dwell in the land. And it says, the ones who are, and we have that same word, to me mean, those who depend, those who are blameless, those who are innocent, those who have integrity, however you want to translate this word, those who are blameless, they will remain, and the idea here is they will endure in it, meaning they're not going to be moved away from, from that righteous uh, pathway. They're not going to change and go on a different direction than, than that which is upright. But rather, they are going to remain. They are going to endure. They are going to persevere in this world. Look, if you would, to our last verse, verse 22. But, and it's simply the word u, you may know the Hebrew word ve, and, but because of, of grammatical reasons, it switches from ve to u, u rishayim. But the wicked ones, the wicked ones, from the land, they will be cut off. Now, when it says land, if you look at what most of the rabbis say, they will say the land is the promised land. The land that God has chosen for his people, meaning the place. God brings us into the land, brings us into his will, brings us into his promises so that we can be blessed. And so it says here, look again at verse 22. But the wicked ones from the land, they will be cut off. And the ones who, Bogdim, Bogdim, the traitors. These are those who are disloyal. Those who betray. So the traitors, the betrayals, those that, that are not loyal. It says they are going to be uprooted from it. And this is a word which simply means that they are going to experience being, being changed. Where they were, they're not going to remain. And it all has to do with one thing. Are we valuing, treasuring, keeping, guarding the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of God? If we are, then we are going to be people who are highly committed to the will of God. So let me just wrap up with one last question and then we'll be done. And that is this. When you think of your life and you can do this better than anyone else because you know yourself better than anyone else. You know your thoughts. You know your desires. You know how that carnal nature works in your life. Ask yourself, am I truly committed to the will of God? I can promise you this, until you make a true and sincere commitment to the will of God, you are not going to grow spiritually. You are not going to have discernment and understanding. You're not going to be used by God. And you're not going to have the resources of God having access to them until you say, honestly, God I am committed to your will and all of my life, all of my resources, all that I have is, is being brought to submissiveness, recognizing your authority by walking in your will and pursuing your purposes 
and desiring above all other things to carry them out. That is how someone who truly has the fear of the Lord thinks and behaves. Well, until next week, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.